Hello and welcome to the Care It Out Sleep Show, a podcast for tired parents who are searching for a bit more sleep the caring way. I'm your host, Kerry Secker, infant sleep consultant, founder of my unique sleep approach, Care It Out, and your caring sleep supporter. I really hope you'll join me on my mission to get small to settle night's sleep without the tears, training, or techniques. I love talking about sleep and I can't wait to share my sleep subjects with you. My approach to getting you more sleep is simple, straightforward, but above all, it's got to make sense and feel best for you. Ready to get more sleep? Then let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Carrot Out Sleep Show. You are listening to host Kerry Secker and I hope you are really well listening today. Whether this is the first time you've picked up my podcast or you are a seasoned sleep show stalker, I hope you find this episode reassuring and informative we've just started i think we're two or three episodes into season two of the sleep show and i hope you're really enjoying it we've had a couple of really amazing guests in the last couple of episodes but today it's going to be a solo show it's going to be just me and it feels like it's been such a long time since it it was just me talking here But today I want to take you right back to basics and I am going to be talking all about naps. I thought it would be a really good chance to start working, um, going through some of your basics and starting right at the the beginning nap. So today I'm going to be doing a little bit of a nap recap for you. And when it comes to naps, there's often a lot of myths and misconceptions out there that naps need, that word comes up a lot, doesn't it? Naps need to be in a cot, that they need to happen in the same place every day. They need to be happen, they need to be taken independently. They need to happen in the same way every day. And in a certain, they have to be a certain length and happen at exactly the same time to even count or be considered as a nap. But if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I like to keep sleep really real here, including naps. So what I'm going to do in this podcast episode is I'm just going to go through each one of those ideas and explore them a little bit and reassure you that naps don't need to be anything. The most important thing on my approach is my priority is always you. And the main thing is, is your small is taking naps and they're working in a way that's working for you, for them and their naps. So I'm going to explore those in a second. And then yesterday or the day before, I can't remember which day it was, it all bled into one. I put out a question box on Instagram to ask, to ask you to ask me, that was a mouthful, all your nap questions and I've whittled them down to the eight most common ones so then I'm going to go through your um, nap questions as well. So let's start at the beginning. The naps don't need to be. That word need comes up a lot. So let's take the first one. Naps need to be in a cot to count. Well I'm here to tell you that naps don't need to be in a cot to count. We are obsessed, (laughs) literally obsessed with getting babies and smalls to nap in a cot. And that somehow if the nap doesn't happen in a cot, it doesn't count as a nap. It means that it's going to impact their going to sleep there at bedtime and also their nighttime sleep. But the thing is, is naps don't need to be in a cot. Some small, some of your smalls might never ever sleep in a cot. So what we're saying there is those naps never count. It's absolute, I call it best ball. Um, I think the reason, I think the biggest reason why people think this is it comes back to junk sleep theory. So there is this theory out there that if sleep isn't in the same place as nighttime, so for example, if we slept on a train or a plane or in the car, that it's the quality of sleep isn't as good as you normally would if you're not in your, in, in your usual place for sleep, in your usual sleep space. 
and to some degree there is some degree of truth in that like we we know ourselves that if we nap on a, or sleep on a plane or a train or in a car or someone else or somewhere else that isn't our bed we don't feel necessarily feel as rested when we wake up but this is not and long term i don't think that's a great approach to sleep but for smalls the junk sleep theory doesn't make sense because during the day, your smalls don't produce melatonin at all, the sleep hormone. We nap because they, they, or they go for a nap because they built up enough pressure, peak pressure or sleep pressure, to um, have enough tide in their tank to get to sleep. So sleep during the day for your smalls is always going to be on the lighter side. And to me, that's the biggest reason why junk theory doesn't make sense. So as long as they are having a nap in in a way that works for you, it doesn't need to be in a cot. If you want them to have a nap in a cot, that's great. Absolutely crack on with cot naps. But if you are napping or if they are napping elsewhere, a nap on a lap, a nod on a plod, in a pram, in a buggy, as long as it's working for you and then they're having the nap, that is the, the most important thing. And if it is any reassurance, I would never or I have never suggested this to a parent in practice and I doubt I ever will. I would never suggest that we've got to get them napping in a cot in order to improve how they go down to sleep at bedtime and how they're sleeping at night time. They're, they're so, so very unlikely to be linked. So crack on with naps wherever they may be. The second one, what was the second one? Oh, yes, naps need to happen in the same space as nighttime sleep. I'm here to tell you, naps don't need to happen in the same space as nighttime. I hear this a lot, um, that if they sleep in a different place at nighttime, that the nap isn't going to be as restorative, they're not going to be able to tell it's nap time, they've got to be in the same space as um, nighttime, uh, as the naps have to happen in the same space as nighttime to help with the nighttime sleep. Again, this is similar to the junk um, uh Junk, junk sleep theory um, that I just I don't buy into this I think it's there's lots of pressure already on you as parents and having to be at home all day every single day I just don't think that's healthy especially after COVID the last couple of years we've had and I also don't believe that your smalls are waking up at night time pondering where they slept for their nap so it is completely normal yes I agree that consistency is quite important but it's it's Consistency is important, but it's more important that there's consistency within your consistency, if that makes sense. So if your little one is happy to um, have a nap in a place during the day that's working for them, you honestly don't need to make it as the same space as nighttime unless you want to. And once again, where they those naps are happening, so, 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 so very unlikely to be impacting how they fall asleep at bedtime um, and also what they're doing at nighttime. I think the biggest um, worry for this is if they're not falling asleep in their cot or their bed as they do at night time, then somehow if we nap them in a different place, it means that they're not going to fall asleep in their bed or cot come bedtime and honestly i'm not saying that that's not a possibility it certainly is anything is a possibility when we're working with small to sleep but i have never ever seen that in practice and again i would never recommend to a family that it's all the naps and sleep has got to happen in the same place life logistics don't work like that 
The third one is that naps need to be taken independently with you. Again, society is obsessed with a lot of things, but I think this is a, a, a whopper that naps are, we've got to get babies independent, they've got to be independent, sleep independently and sleep away from you. And, and honestly, from a really early age, I see it now. Um, and yeah, I just think that's really unrealistic because especially new babies connection and closeness is everything they feel you're you're there everything they feel safe near you um it is normal to want to be um near you to nap so again naps don't need to be taken independently from you um and they don't have to fall asleep independently either for naps i think that's really important i feel that's a a second um, topic there but yeah if you are happy to um, if your little one is happy to go down independently again I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all but if your little one does find it a little bit tricky to be away from you you enjoy those contact naps and napping with you then those naps don't have to be independent don't have to be independent of you and I think one of the biggest reasons why this comes up a lot is that we are so worried or society not us but society is so worried that we're going to create dependence or they're never going to be independent or we've got to teach them to be independent but babies are called dependents and it's because they depend on you for everything in the beginning so independence is something that we can't teach or train them to be independent it comes from when they've had that closeness and that connection and that dependence first and then when they feel ready they're able to do it so yeah naps if you're happy to cuddle up with them who doesn't like a, um, a, a snooze in the middle of the day or cuddled up together I think that's really important and again I can't stress this enough this is going to come up with every single one how they go down um, even if they nap with you um, even if they nap with you for naps it doesn't necessarily mean that they're then going to find it tricky to fall asleep independently and sleep away from you at night time. They're too, yes, naps, everything is linked for your small, including naps and nights, but they're not intrinsically linked that way. What was the fourth one? Oh yeah, naps need to happen in the same way every day. I mean, this is a lot of pressure. So, so much pressure. And your smalls are not little baby, they're bots that are going to do everything in the same way every single day like as adults we don't do that either so i feel that's a lot of pressure on our smalls when as as big as adults we find that very difficult to do and also life logistics again especially after the year that we've had um so naps don't need to happen in the same way every day surprise surprise and it is normal some days you are going to find that your small might go down for naps super easily some days you might find that those naps are quite tricky to come by and that's okay some days they might need more support sometimes they might need more time sometimes they might just need need a bit more of you to get to sleep um, or get down for a nap so yeah naps don't need to happen in the same way every day um i just think yeah just a lot of pressure lots and lots of pressure and yeah we're busy people so the most important thing is the only time that I'd probably change this is if they weren't having any naps at all or we'd got to the point where we had looked like there were frequent wake-ups at night time and we had exhausted all possibilities at night time and the sleep was still unsettled then I might suggest a compromise and maybe um 
having a longer nap at home or maybe just having a look at their naps. But in general, it's okay for them to fall asleep in different ways for naps every day and in different places. I think that's really important. Number five, this is a whopper. Naps need to be a certain length to count. The thing, there is often a lot of worry around naps and I totally get it, especially if your night is unsettled. You're tired, they're tired, um, you worry that they're not getting enough nap during the day and there's so much pressure out there that says by X age they must sleep at this time for this amount, this length or it doesn't count. But the thing with nap length is there are things in life we've got control over and things we don't. And nap length is one of them. And I know you probably don't want to hear that. Short naps are very, can be very age appropriate. And nap needs vary from small to small. And short naps might be where your small is right now. So let's explore the short naps a little bit. What I mean by are they, can they be age appropriate? So before six months, you're around six months, um, your small circadian rhythm isn't yet fully matured. And what this means for sleep is that naps can be a little bit erratic and so can the nighttime. So short naps before six months are very age appropriate and the biological norm is very, very normal for your small to have short naps. Now, you might be listening here thinking, well, Kerry, my little one is doing longer naps. That's okay. They're all really different. Um, But what tends to happen is around anywhere from six to seven months, the circadian rhythm sleep system starts to mature, develops a little bit more, and the majority of your smalls will then start to consolidate their naps down and sleep a little bit longer. Um, But I'm always very honest, some don't. I've had some nine-month-olds only need a couple of 30-minute naps during the day and have made it to bedtime, got through their bedtime routine in one piece, um, enjoyed their bedtime routine, settled to sleep beautifully with or without support, and then had a very settled night's sleep. So how much sleep your small needs, it is really, really individual to them. And I also, so that's one thing, short naps are very age appropriate. And the other thing when it comes to the length of the nap is that it just puts a lot of pressure, that pressure word again, just puts lots of pressure on you to think that if you feel that they've got to do a certain length of nap for it to count or be considered a nap, if they don't do that, that's that's it, it's a crap nap, your day's ruined, your nights are ruined, where actually it can be very normal. So with regarding to the length of the naps, my suggestion would be to set up the timings first and let them go, just see what they do and let them take the lead when it comes to length and then go from there. I try to avoid, again, there's always things to take into consideration, um, infant sleep and certainly practicing in infant sleep is quite nuanced, but I try and steer (laughs) steer or stay away um, from setting that the naps have got to be a certain length because trying to get them to sleep a certain length when they're not where they're just, that's not where they're at, whether that's because of their nap needs or where they are at um, biologically and, and age appropriateness, it's really frustrating. You, you're going to end up thinking that you're doing something wrong because they're not sleeping for a set amount of time and they're going to get annoyed with you and quite frustrated quite quickly because you're not doing what they want to do. Trying to resettle a baby, it comes back to that sleep is a biological process. We can't force, coax or cajole them to fall asleep or go back to sleep 
in this case unless they need that sleep and they're ready they've got enough tide in their tank they're ready to go to sleep so trying to resettle a baby to, to get to a certain amount of time it can be really really frustrating which is why i steer away from that but also it just becomes this the whole day just becomes about a nap drama and how long they're getting and again i want to try and steer away from that and then the last one is naps happen naps need to happen at exactly the same time again i think this is they're all very similar aren't they but this is similar to naps need to be a certain length to count we have there are lots of expectations on your smalls but i think one of the biggest ones is that they are going to be born and they're going to slot into a nap routine and they are going to wake up at the same time each day nap at the, exactly the same time every single day for the same length and all babies are going to do exactly the same thing by age but again if you've been following me for a while you know that one size absolutely sucks it really does your small's nap needs are as unique as they are. Um, every small is completely different and what works for one might not work for another. Nothing ever works for everybody. But also comes back to what I mentioned before that they're just not baby bed bots that all babies at this set age are gonna be able to nap at the same time. You have to take into their wake up time, their nights, how much energy they've um, they've got rid of that day, their nap needs, are they low sleep needs or high sleep needs? Some babies need, have very high sleep needs and they tend to be the babies that I don't see in practice and the babies that tend to hit the recommended amount of sleep in books um, and the sleep charts. Um, some smalls do need you know, lots of nap during the day and then we'll pull in a 12-hour sleep shift overnight. And then on the other end of that spectrum, we've also got babies and smalls with lower sleep needs where they don't need as much nap or sleep as their baby buddies or the books would um, have you to believe. And that can often, um, I see those more in practice, to be honest, but that can often, when that happens, feel that you're doing something wrong. So I think it's really important to note that naps, you're, you are the perfect parent for your baby, 100%. They are perfect and amazing, but life and naps with smalls is not about being perfect and precise. Your small doesn't wear a clock, uh, a clock, <laughs> hopefully they don't wear a clock. They don't wear a watch, they can't tell the time. Um, they can only fall asleep when they are ready. So expecting them to all fall asleep at the same time every single day just kind of blows my mind a little bit. Um, yeah, it's normal for them to, to shift around. I don't expect them to do everything to the dot every day and it's normal for their nap times to shift. Ideally, I say ideally, we don't always live in an ideal world, do we? But ideally, we don't want the nap windows to vary wild. A wild window can mean that the day can be hickety-pickety, it can be hard to get rhythm and it can be hard to cement in their circadian rhythm, but completely normal for naps to happen within anywhere from... Well, some, some of your smalls might go down at the same time each day. Again, nothing wrong with that. But if not, it's normal for it to vary up to half an hour, give or take. So I hope you found that really useful. So just a very, very quick nap recap. Naps don't need. Naps don't need. Naps don't need to be in a clock to count. Naps don't need to happen in the same space as night time. Naps don't need to be taken independently from you. Naps don't need to happen in the same way every day. Naps don't need to be a certain length to count, and naps don't need to happen at exactly the same time every single day. I really, I know there's not lots of tips there, 
but I really hope that's given you the reassurance that some of you might be looking for. Now what I'm going to do for the second part of the show is I'm going to answer, I think I've got one, two, three, four, five, yeah, I've got eight questions that I'm going to go through, and hopefully this will be the useful bit. So question number one, what can I do when my small refuses their one nap? Really common question. Well, first of all, it is completely nap refusal is completely normal and very common. It can come out of the blue. They might refuse their nap for a run of days or it might just be the odd blip. But it is completely normal and it doesn't necessarily mean that you, well, it definitely doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. Um, And it also um, doesn't mean that you have to make any changes. I think that's really important. I think quite often they do something once and we think, oh my goodness, they need a time to it. We're going to change anything. I think the thing to remember, it's normal for a nap refusal to make you worried. They're going to get overtired, how they're going to make it to bedtime. But this for me this comes back to that they if they're tired they will nap um and we can't force them to go down to to have a nap if they're not ready um common reasons why they refuse sometimes that's quite useful to know sometimes they might have just had a, a super exciting morning they might have had lots of a settled night's sleep they might be going through a learning leap when they are learning a big developmental skill or going through a learning leap sleep is often the last thing that they want to do we want more of it um definitely but sometimes that's the last thing on their mind um and i think ultimately the thing to remember is that one nap refusal or even a couple two or three in a row it is very unlikely to break they happen and it is very very unlikely to break your bed bank my suggestion would be if they would keep refusing their nap would if it happens over five or six days my suggestions actually would be to keep calm easier said than done i know but stay calm stay consistent i would keep offering their nap um, at the same time um for at least five to seven days if they keep refusing their nap after that, or you instinctively just know that it needs to that nap needs to get nudged later, then all I would do is simply nudge their nap a little bit later. Chances are, if they're refusing that nap, they're not ready and they need a later nap time. And if they practical things, if they refuse that nap, would be I would try if they if it gets past if it gets to like half two three. Um, I they can still have a nap. I'm not a massive fan of lots of rules um, and withholding a nap if they need it. But if they do nap later past 3 p.m., I would try and keep it to 20, 30 minutes maximum. What I would try to avoid doing if we can, I know it's not always possible, but they refuse their nap. And then what we do is we worry that, because worrying is completely normal and part of parenting, but then we worry that they're going to get overtired. We need to overcompensate and make up for it. And then they have a really super long nap in the afternoon. And then that can gradually have a knock-on impact on bedtime and the night. So if they need a nap in the afternoon, 20 to 30 minutes max. If they haven't gone down to nap by four, I would probably suggest keeping them going until bedtime. But again, I think it's really important there are no hard or fast rules. You are always in charge of control on my approach. And it's really important that you look at what's going on for your small in that moment. That's all that matters. And then with bedtime, again, it's very normal to think, oh, they've not had a nap. I need to pull bedtime really super early, which sounds really logical and sensible, doesn't it? But actually by pulling bedtime earlier, what tends to happen is a super early bedtime can cause a more unsettled night's sleep, believe it or not. 
it then can often mean an early rise in the morning and then we just go round in this cycle. So my general kind of advice would be to keep stick to their normal bedtime if you can. However, if they're limping towards bedtime, they're limping towards bedtime or you're limping towards bedtime, my suggestion would be to bring their bedtime 10, 15 minutes earlier or so. But generally, I would try and stick to the same bedtime if you can. I think that's all I've got for nap refusal. But hopefully, I think the biggest thing to remember is that it's not the end. It feels like it. Oh, it feels like it. But it isn't the end of the world and it isn't going to break their bed bank. And it really does happen. And usually time or a bit of a tweak to their naps sees you back on track. They're constantly changing, which means their naps constantly change too. Question number two, baby is refusing their third cat nap, but it's having a really big impact on nights. Kerry, what can I do? Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Okay, transitions. When we make a transition, a nap transition, they can be tricky. You don't need me to tell you that. And they can take a bit of time. And it's normal, completely normal for them to, um, when their nap's changed in the day, that we see a difference at night time. It's because they're having less sleep during the day. And also chances are they are, um, they've got a longer gap from their second nap to bedtime. So again, pretty similar actually to nap refusal. What would I suggest doing? Again, my suggestion would be to keep calm. Easier said than done. It is so easy to panic when it all goes off track, especially if it is having an impact on their night and not for the better. Give it time. Most things will settle down, especially when it comes to nap transitions. Most things will settle down all by itself without you having to do anything. Um, the other things that you can do would be to actually two things that you can do other than those other two things. One would be to very, very, very slowly nudge their first and second naps later by 10, 15 minutes every couple of days. It's a really small amount. It's unlikely that your small will notice this. But what you're doing there is by very, very slowly nudging their first and second nap later, what you're doing is closing down that that nap gap from lunchtime to bedtime. The most common reason why it has dropping that third nap has an impact on bedtime is that they're just getting a little bit overtired from not having their usual cat nap, which again, it's all part of the process. But napping, uh, napping, nudging those two naps forward can help a little bit just by slowly closing down that gap. And then the other one would be to, again, similar to nap refusal actually, would be to try and stick to their um, normal bedtime. If you, again, it sounds so logical and sensible, doesn't it, that if they're not having that cat nap, that we need to then bring bedtime earlier to kind of to compensate for it. But actually, bringing bedtime earlier, I mentioned it before, can really have an impact on the nights. It can make them really, for some, it can make them super unsettled. Um, and then we end up bringing it earlier and earlier and earlier. So my suggestion would be to try and stick to their usual bedtime if you can and if they are really limping you're limping they're just it's pajama drama in the bed by the time they get to bedtime then i would bring it slightly earlier but again only by 10 15 minutes but i hope it reassures you that transitions they just take time to work out but they do normally get there Number three, what age do toddlers drop their nap completely? Oh, this is a great question. <laughs> and also, I just think that sad, it's a sad day when toddlers drop their nap. It's life's, 
it's one of life's little pre- it's one of life's little um presents is it then having a nap um my this can vary greatly from toddler to toddler generally speaking i would keep that nap in as late as possible i've had some um actually they're not toddlers they're children nap up until the point where they go to school and that it was working for them and i've also had some toddlers as young as 18 months that are ready to stop their nap completely so i think the the answer to this is there is like most things on my approach there is no set age it's going to depend on your toddler and it's a spectrum anywhere from 18 months ish and all the way up to three four the only time and generally i would let them take the lead and drop that nap um when they are ready as long as it's working for you and for them the only time i would kind of interfere and suggest um, looking at stopping that nap is actually three main reasons at this stage. Number one, bedtime got pushed super late. For some toddlers, if they have a, if they have even 30 minutes during the day, it means that they're not going to bed until 11:30 midnight, basically after us. And then I would have a look at it. Secondly, if they are up for long periods during the night, so if they were up for on on the regs, so if they were up regularly for more than one to two hours. excuse me um my suggestion would be to have a think about whether they need to drop that nap and the other one the third one is if they are up super early like pre 4 5 a.m regularly it might be time to drop their nap and that is when i would then not interfere i would like to think that i would never ever interfere suggest or i would come back it's worth considering looking at the nap at that stage uh, where was I? Number four. I've just realised I've not got my glasses on and that's why I can't see. Uh, number four. How can I encourage my baby to nap out and about? They won't nap at nursery, in the car or the pram. <coughs> First of all, that's it can be really frustrating. I have totally been there with babies and toddlers that just will not, not nap anywhere at home. And you can feel really nap trapped because life happens. You've got older siblings to school pickups you need to get out and about so i i can really feel for you when that happens and again this comes back to um there are things in life we can control and things we can't control and one of them is whether they're going to nap outside most young babies are quite happy to sleep in the pram or on the go because they haven't quite realized what's going on um but for some as they get out of that fourth trimester around three four months or as they get older and on the go naps on the go are over um and again it's very normal for for them to cause lots of worry or concern for you that's all very normal i think there are something ultimately there is no magic trick to getting them to nap at nursery or in the car or the pram and again i know you're probably not listening to this podcast to get that answer but i'm always going to be honest um but there are some things that could help let's break it down a little bit napping at nursery um if it's um a new transition they've just started nursery definitely worth giving it time time comes up a lot in my practice the other thing is sometimes taking a blanket or a lovey or comforter from home something that smells and feels familiar can help them nap at nursery and then getting them to nap out and about in the car and that i'll separate these out in the car you can um what would i do see whether i can um incline the car seat back a little bit 
so they're a little bit lower down before they fall asleep. The other thing is, is make sure that they're not hungry. Um, blackout windows for the car. Let's have a cough. I'm not sure what is going on. I haven't coughed all morning. Um, but napping, let me just go back to that. So napping in the car, recline the, not incline, recline the car seat back if you can. Um, the blackout windows, blackout blinds on the windows can help as well. Sometimes having some sleepy music on or white noise can help. Um, those are things that can help. And then in the pram, it would be the same thing really. Recline the pram back if you can. I don't often push many um, parenting products, but I'm a big fan of Snooze Shade. That can really help. And also using mobile white noise, that can be helpful for some as well. Hopefully there's something there that helps you. Number five, is it okay to give them the dummy for naps, but not at night time? Yep, absolutely. I My approach isn't an all or nothing approach. I love a bit of pick and mix and it's okay to, um, you know, everything I've gone through before in this podcast, like naps don't need to be in a cot space, all of those things. It's the same with the dummy. Um, the dummy often is one of those things that's touted around as a bad habit. It's terrible for sleep. But this might come a bit of a shock to hear a sleep consultant say this, but I would only recommend ditching it, ditching the dummy if it wasn't working for you or them. It's very rare that it, it can, but it is in, it's incredibly rare that the dummy impacts their sleep. And if you're happy to give them the dummy for naps and it works, then absolutely it's okay to not give it at night time. The only time I would um, look at that was if they, by having the dummy at nap time, they started to get unsettled at night you got the impression that they were up for the dummy but yeah if it's working for you 100% all is well number six why is my small only taking short naps I feel like I covered this in the first part of the podcast so short naps are either age appropriate if they're under six seven months old circadian rhythm sleep system hasn't fully matured and short naps of around 30 minutes on rinse and repeat frustrating and tiring but very, very normal. And at around six, anywhere from six and a half to seven and a half months, most will consolidate their naps down. So usually short naps are that they're age appropriate. Or it could also be to do with their nap needs. Some babies, just that's just where they're at, even after six and a half, seven and a half months old, short naps are just where their nap needs are at. And controlling the length of the nap can be very, very tricky and frustrating for all. However, they're are a few things that you, I've actually got a separate podcast on this that I will I might write a note of that to actually put it in the show notes I've actually got a whole podcast worth for you on short naps so if you are particularly interested in short naps it might be worth having a listen to that if you're not already sick of my voice already um but a couple of things that can help making sure just checking your timings if they're under tired um especially during the older ones, naps during the day, I've mentioned this before, but I'll do a very quick summary, is that during the day, your small doesn't produce melatonin, the sleep hormone. So they nap during the day because they've built up enough sleep pressure to get tired enough, to get enough tired in the tank to fall asleep. 
So for some, if they are if they don't have enough awake time, they haven't built up enough tide in their tank, they don't have enough sleep pressure, they then find it very difficult to have a long nap. So for older ones, it might be worth very slowly nudging their naps a little bit later to see if that makes a difference, especially if they wake up from their naps happy um, and delighted with life. Um, that's more likely that they're undertired. Sometimes it can actually be overtired. I know overtired gets talked about a lot. Um, it's not to blame for every single thing when it comes to sleep, short naps, unsettled night, early rise, but it definitely can play a part in there. Um, and for some, if they go to bed, or if they go down for a nap and they're a little bit overtired, it can shut the cut shut, cap the nap short. Um, and that's usually when they wake up, they'll look wake up tired and a bit grumpy, but they can't seem to get back to sleep. So that's definitely worth having to think about. Um, sometimes the second one is sometimes um, babies and smalls um, link through sleep cycles or cycles um, through their sleep at naps. And it is normal that we, for when they wake up or they make a noise or they roll over or make a noise that we're like, oh, nap's over, we go in straight away. But sometimes just pausing and giving them a little bit of practice and patience. It's not about if your small is emotionally uneasy and clearly needs your support, it's always okay to go straight away. It's not about leaving your small if they're really upset or crying. Um, but if they wake up and they're just having a little move around, a bit of a stretch, they still look a little bit sleepy, sometimes holding fire, having a bit of practice and giving them some patience to stitch to go back to sleep, they'll go back to sleep. And then the last one, I very rarely do this, but I think it is worth noting for some smalls, if they fall asleep, um, they wake up from their nap in a different place. So, for example, they fall, they fall asleep on you, but they wake up on the sofa or not on the sofa, in their cot or in a different space, then what can happen is that they then um, they find it difficult to stitch that sleep cycle together. So sometimes, very, very, so it's not about them falling asleep independently for naps, that can be quite tricky to do, but just them being a little bit more aware of where they are going to sleep at the start of the nap, sometimes that can help, but that can often be a lot of work for very little gain. So it's very rare that I would... Um, suggest doing that to be honest the only time i would ever um suggest changing how your small goes down for their nap um is if it wasn't working for you it wasn't working for them and you wanted to change it i would hardly ever suggest changing where or how they are going down for their naps in order to improve how they go to down to sleep at bedtime and what they're doing overnight as well i think that's a really important message to get out there Number seven, how will my baby nap at nursery? They love a contact nap. It normal, again, completely normal for them to love a contact nap. Who doesn't love falling asleep on their loved ones? It's amazing. Um, completely normal to worry um, about how they're going to nap at nursery. It's also really logical and just makes sense that if they need something um, to fall asleep for a nap in with you, that that's what they're going to need with another person. But the thing is, smalls are often very, very adaptable, surprisingly so at times. Different person, completely different boundary. So what they need for you, uh, with you to get down for a nap, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what they're going to need for someone else. And I know I sound bonkers saying this, but chances are your small will go to nursery or childminder or nanny or grandparent and will nap without a bother. Um, and I know that sounds, I sound ridiculous when I say that, but it it happens. It's more common that that happens than not. It's incredibly rare that they'll go to um, childcare, nursery, and they won't nap. 
Um, and the thing to remember is that even if you did get them to fall asleep independently um, with you at, at home, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be transferable to nursery. I recently worked with um, a family who would prep them all down, like got them falling asleep independently at home, which she didn't really want to do, but she thought it was going to help nursery. And then was very shocked and surprised that when her child went to nursery, it didn't necessarily mean that it that they could nap there, and they didn't. So they could fall asleep independently at home, but they couldn't do it at nursery. They're two separate things. And nursery or napping somewhere else, it's change is strange. It's a big change. There's lots going on. It can be very exciting. It's unfamiliar. It's new. So it can often take a bit of time. Um, but yeah, chances are, I know, I know. I know, but chances are they will nap okay at nursery. And again, I've got a podcast, um, if you're not sick of my voice, um, a podcast dedicated to napping at nursery if you feel that you need a little bit more reassurance on that. And then lastly, what are nap gaps for for an 11-month-old on two naps? I can't seem to get the nap gaps right. I think the thing to remember when it comes to nap gaps is they are just a guide. I would never, ever, because it comes back to that I don't believe that all babies at a certain age are going to need a nap at these times. I don't believe in that. But I do love a plan. And most parents I work with love a plan as well. So I think it's nice to have a guide. But that is what my nap gaps are. They're a guide. They are definitely not the gospel. They are not the gospel. They don't. I think it's important. They don't work for everybody because nothing ever works for everybody. And it's about, it's not about your or has to sleep at a certain time or it, you're guessing it wrong if it, if they're not sleeping at those times it's not because that you're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with them it's simply that the time the timing of the nap is wrong so it's important to tweak them to suit you and your small and I think the thing with nap gaps at this age sometimes they can become a bit of a moot point um at this age if if you have used them um and they've worked well that it does get to an age where they do become a bit of a moot point because at this time it's normal for the nap gaps to get nudged out. The nap gaps at this age can be look different for everybody and get nudged out much later. So my suggestion would be to aim for that first nap gap could be anywhere from two, two and a half to three and a half hours for that first nap. So if they're up between, say, half six and half seven, I would be aiming for a nap at around 10, half 10-ish. And then once they've woken up from that one, I again, there's no hard or fast rules with this. If a longer morning nap works for your small and for you and you're happy and the nights are okay, we don't need to change it. However, if that... Um, if they have too long in the morning and it's starting to impact their afternoon nap or bedtime, sometimes capping that first nap, I know it's a controversial subject, waking a sleeping baby, um, but sometimes capping that first nap to 30, 40 minutes can really help with the second nap. And then I would shoot for another nap after lunch, probably at a ra- anywhere between 1 and one thirty. But that is a very, 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 very loose guide. I think again like most things on my approach nap gaps are not about being precise or perfect and you've got to hit them every day they are a guide and it's really important to tweak it to you and if you find that they're not working or your small isn't going to sleep at those times chances are they need more awake time it's yes um 
little ones at this age can be overtired, undertired. No, it is normal at this age that um, some smalls at this age will get overtired, but actually it's more likely that they're not tired enough, they're undertired and they need a later nap time. I'm done talking. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I certainly enjoyed um it was I'll be honest, it was really tricky just listening to me and not having anyone else to talk to. But I really enjoyed really getting into that nap recap for you and I really hope that you found it useful, reassuring reassuring and you've got some things to try if that's what you're looking for. I will put the other podcast episodes in the show notes. So I also did a podcast episode on short naps. I've also done a podcast on skit naps and napping at nursery. I will put them all in the um, show notes for you. And if you did like this podcast episode, please, please, please feel free to send me some feedback or leave me a review. I honestly appreciate every single one of them. And I will see you in a couple of weeks. Big love and sweet solidarity. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to me, your host, Kerry Secker, on the Carry Out Sleep Show. I really hope you found this podcast episode reassuring, informative, but most importantly, it helps you and your small to a more settled night's sleep the caring way. If you did, please don't forget to subscribe to the show below, leave me some feedback, or share it with a parent pal. I love hearing that you love listening. My next podcast episode will be available in two weeks' time. But if you really can't wait that long, please come and find me over on Instagram at Care Out Sleep Consultant. I update my sleep squares and speak about sleep there on the daily. Big love and sleep solidarity. Until next time.